Last week, we talked about banning burnout. This week, we talk about finding the next new vision for your organization. After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple pivots into for-profit leadership later? We're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. Welcome back to the podcast. We are so glad that you are here joining us, and I am thrilled um, with the conversation that we are going to be having today. You know, a lot of times we reference our legacy flywheel, and we have had many conversations about vision, Um, but today we're going to have a conversation about expanding our vision, not necessarily the vision statement, but how to expand your vision when you're at a place where you realize that you need to go into a new area, maybe try a new thing, Um, or just trying to get a a bigger picture for the future because you know a lot of times we have an idea and as we start to make progress on it we realize we need to make this a little bit bigger so that we actually have work to do um, a year from now or two years from now or ten years from now so Ted why don't you kick us off with this conversation well first of all the world is constantly changing the needs in the world are changing we learn new things about how the world needs to change the old ways of doing what we're trying to do in our various nonprofit organizations um, needs a shift. We can't mm-hmm. just keep doing things the way that they've always been done. But then the question arises like, okay, then what do we do? <laughs> it's not it's not enough to just say this way isn't working anymore. This way is inefficient. We have to figure out how do we innovate, how we actually change the way we go about changing the world. Mm-hmm. And man, I was just thinking a lot about brainstorming and innovation and how do we kind of go down that trail to figure out we don't want to adjust our vision statement. We still want to be accomplishing the things that we're setting out to accomplish. But how do we adjust our strategy? More importantly, how do we get a vision of what that strategy is going to look like in mm-hmm. order to do better? Yeah, we were having a conversation actually earlier today about some organizations and just the way that some things are run. Um, And I made a comment that, you know, like there are some organizations that we've been looking at kind of from a distance and we look at them and we say, you know, 15 years ago, it was the new way of doing it. And so for sometimes when we're talking to people, they're like, yeah, but what we're doing now is new. It's not old school. It's not the old way of doing it. We found a new way. Um, But then at what point do we recognize that the new way of doing things is no longer the new way of doing things? Right. When (laughs) when does a person become old? When does a strategy become old? Yeah. And sometimes the strategy that worked for us 10 years ago or five years ago, we start to recognize it's not quite working the same way. And so we have to expand our vision. We have to be willing to expand our strategy. But first, sometimes we have to recognize the thing that got us this far isn't going to bring us into the future the way that we're hoping it will. Um, And it's not always just throwing out everything about how it was done, but it's really recognizing pieces of this work, pieces of this aren't, and kind of starting to ask those hard questions and then really bring the right people around you. I love when you talk about brainstorming, because I think the way that you understand brainstorming is different than the way that brainstorming is typically talked about. Um, Whenever I think of brainstorming from when I was growing up, 
It's like, all right, get out a pen and paper, set a timer for five minutes, write down some stuff, and then pick something and go do it. Like, it was very Mm. just, um, you're the one who has to figure it out. You do the brainstorming. You choose the idea. You run with it. Go. And that was kind of the way it was done. Where your approach, I mean, really is way more all-encompassing when it comes to right people um, and bringing in the different stories and the measurable impact. So I'm going to let you run with this for a bit. Yeah. So the the first thing that you have to realize is that by when you want to figure out where to go next as an organization, this is a fantastic opportunity to involve more people and Mm -hmm. to get more buy-in and to get more skin in the game from other people in your organization. You know, if you're trying to grow as an organization, you're going to need to grow in your size. You're going to need to grow in the horsepower that your organization has. And this part of the process is not something that should be done behind closed doors with just one or two people. This is something that you have an opportunity to to involve a lot of key players in. Mm-hmm. And then when the ideas that are presented are finally decided on, we're going to do we're going to run with these. Everybody who is a part of that process has like ownership of that idea and that vision. And so you're not having to cast the vision to your key players because they already get it. They were there in the birthing process. They're ready to nurture that idea and help it to actually move forward. And so that's the first thing is do not see vision planning and and like goal planning for the future and figuring out kind of what directions to do. Don't see that as a solo venture. This is definitely something you want to involve a bunch of people in. And that obviously is going to come with some cons too. You're going to have to figure out how do I do this in a way that doesn't just like totally derail what we're trying Mm -hmm. to do. Yep. And doing it in a way where you know that you can still say yes and no, that as a leader, you are still maintaining control while not holding on so tightly that no one wants to be involved in it. Um, I remember years ago, I was helping out at a nonprofit. It was brought in for a brainstorming idea, and it was very much a vision for the future. Where are we going to go? And I remember one of my ideas got a got like a yes, this is going to be one of the final things. And they started to move forward with it. And it didn't quite work the way that we were all thinking that it was going to work. And so my leader actually came to me. He said, listen, Lisa, it was a good idea. We all thought it was a good idea. It's not quite going the way we thought. Here's why. And I was like, oh, but they kind of adjusted it, found a new thing. And because I had buy-in from the original thing, I also had buy-in for the next phase of it. And I had buy-in for the future things because I was able to see behind the scenes. And so I was already rooting that the organization as a whole would win and not just that my idea would take over. I think sometimes as leaders, when we start thinking about the future, we're like, we have to be the one to to decide this. And then we have to convince people it's the right choice. Mm -hmm. Um, Forgetting that it really doesn't have to be ours. And there's a balance that you can find where you release control in certain areas so that you can make more impact toward your cause in the long term. Absolutely. And I I, I really do think that, you know, just like groupthink kind of became a buzzword I think for a little while where it's like we don't want to involve too many people in coming up with ideas or whatever because we're going to end up in groupthink where we are all stupider because we put our we we have all amassed our stupidity together <laughs> instead of trying <laughs> to amass our smartness together and the interesting thing is there are ways to brainstorm 
that, yes, do lead to groupthink and don't get you where you want to be. But there are other ways to to hold a brainstorming session, to hold a, a vision creation session that really does bring out the best ideas. And very quickly, you can have a whole bunch of fantastic ideas and thoughts, and then you can start to strategize and bring, you know, the right groups of people into how do we make this vision a reality? Mm-hmm. And so right off the bat, I'll just kind of say this strategy right right away, is that you get a group of the right people together. And you can do this with a group of 20 people. You can do this with a group of five people. Um, I've never tried it with a group larger than 20, but I'm sure it would still work. You'd probably want to split things up a little bit. But basically, you set a timer and everybody quietly writes down as many ideas as they can. Set a little bit of structure about we're trying to figure out how to uh, better equip our volunteers or we're trying to figure out how to expand our fundraising or we're trying to figure out how to um, just do what we're trying to do better and then set a timer for five, maybe 10 minutes, but five, you know, you don't want it to be too long. Five minutes, everybody just quietly without talking to each other makes a list of as many ideas as they could possibly think about. Mm-hmm. Then when the timer goes off, you go around the room and you actually ask each person to share their things, their ideas. And as you're going around the room, somebody might come up with a new idea and like go down that rabbit trail, like actually write down every idea that has come out of that that uh, initial timed session and the ideas that come out of the sharing session where everybody's just kind of talking together. And you'll be surprised because you guys weren't talking about you weren't doing like a, everybody's trying to brainstorm out loud together. You have a very wide variety of ideas and different ways in which you can move forward. Then you pick your top three or four ideas. You whittle them down. Maybe you want to just come away from that meeting with one idea. Maybe you want to come away with a few different things to try out. And you put people in charge of those ideas to actually be like the champion. Usually it's the person who like came up with the idea. You want to have that person be like the voice that's going to say, we got to make this idea work uh, because they have the most skin in the game that was their baby you know but uh you come right away with that with you know a timed goal when you want to see this certain thing happen and amazing amazing things can happen mm-hmm. <clears throat> um and the, and the key with this is it's like ideas and figuring out what's next is like gold mining you're gonna have to get through a lot of dirt to get the gold nuggets and when you have a bunch of people generating ideas, you can you can generate tons and tons of ideas, a lot of which are going to be dirt. They're going to be garbage ideas, but that's OK, because you need those in order to get to the gold nuggets. Mm-hmm. Now, I know sometimes leaders will say things like we just don't have ideas or we're, we're not kind creative. Of, we're not creative. We can't come up with that. I mean, just to put this in context, I've seen you lead meetings like this for nonprofits and generate hundreds of ideas. Mm hmm. Is that fair? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, that's not even (laughs) a thing. Like, it's hundreds of ideas. And so when you're talking about taking your best two or three that you're going to put strategy to and begin to implement, you are getting the top two or three ideas out of hundreds. It's not trying to generate a list in a group, which I'm sure many of you have done, where you end up with like 10 okay-ish ideas because you all debated them to death. um, And then you're trying to choose the one or two that aren't as bad as the other ones. Right. I'm a quick little story about this. This the same strategy was used by Apple 
and they were trying to figure out, okay, we've, we've got these home computers, we're doing pretty good here, but we know that we can't just, if we want to expand, we need to expand somewhere, and we don't know what to expand to. So they had a session like this. They came up with 151 ideas, and one idea rose to the top. It was the iPod, which we all know now was like, it's that was basically the grandpa of the smartphone, mm-hmm. which is crazy, but it's like, there's so much power in these types of brainstorming sessions. And that was, you know, Apple has their vision statement of what they want to try to do. And like, you know, the iPod fit inside of that vision. It wasn't like they were changing their vision statement. Right. But it gave them a whole new territory to go after, a whole new market to create. They didn't just dive into a market. They like they made CDs obsolete. They're like, <laughs> you know, they 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 changed it all. They yeah, they changed so much of of everything that we do to consume media in general, not just music. And it was from that one brainstorming session. It was from generating a lot of ideas. I'm. I'm curious, you know, what was the number two idea or the number three idea? We may never know. Maybe they are they made products out of those things. I don't know. But I know that um, when you're able to whittle down and actually, you know, start with a whole bunch of stuff, not only do you have the buy-in of everybody who is part of that meeting of the innovation creation, but then you have uh, just some amazing fodder to work with and stuff to actually move forward with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that can be things like Apple it was a product idea. We've seen it with um, just trying to grow a vision, talk about different future events, different fundraising ideas, um, different ways. All right, we need to figure out a way to build community because what we're doing isn't effective anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, It really can be for anything. You can't do it for everything in one meeting. Mm -hmm. But really allowing the right people. And this is one of those things, you know, we talk a lot about getting the right people on the bus or the right people around the table. This is a right people moment. Um, This isn't, well, they have to be at a certain level in the organization, or they have to be a certain amount committed, or they have to have been with us for a certain amount of time. It has to be the right people in that they are the right people. They don't have to be the most creative people um, in the sense that people think of creativity, Um, but they do need to be people who you trust, who have the heart of the organization, and who are not pessimistic, and who aren't going to tell you everything that's going to go wrong with every single idea. Now, this brainstorming strategy is super useful, not just for creating a new path, but also sometimes maybe just figuring out where the opportunities lie. Um, I've done brainstorming sessions like this with groups just asking the question, what are the biggest problems right now in the organization? Hmm. And you have tons of ideas that show. I mean, you definitely have to kind of check your ego at the door during those conversations. But it can be extremely eye-opening and show you where you have a lot of growth areas that you could like work in. Um, and then once you whittle down, like, okay, this is the, the we are definitely having the most trouble with uh, retention of employees, right? So now let's figure out how to solve that. Let's do another brainstorm where we go around the room and everybody, you know, takes turns sharing what they've written down in five minutes about solutions for those things. And that can, that can be a huge step forward toward knowing Here's where we're going in as, a, as an organization. Mm-hmm. And you can rest assured, too, that you've you've talked it over with the trusted people. You know, here's the biggest problem. We're going to fix this biggest problem. We're going to fix it with a really innovative solution that is effective 
and that has a lot of buy-in from the top people in the organization. Mm-hmm. I like what you said. If you do the one where it's like, what are the problems? You have to check your ego. But I think with any of these, as a leader, you have to check your ego. Just as a participant, you have to check your ego. It's I mean, true. If it's true that you're mining for gold, the sheer statistical probability is not in your favor that your idea is going to be picked. You have to be okay with... I threw out a bunch of ideas and they were all ugly babies, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) someone else might have the shining, beautiful baby, but it's okay if it's not me. Yep. And that's, I mean, it can be kind of tricky, especially if you're not someone who thinks, oh, I'm super creative. I'm an idea person. I just love vision. Um, There are some people I talk to who are just like, I could just come up with ideas all day. And that's great. Um, But someone like me, I don't. I used to not see myself as that, but after seeing Ted work on these sessions with different groups and then me participating in some of them, I'm like, oh, I understand this differently now because it's not about how creative or how off the wall you can just randomly come up with an idea in normal life. It's a specific structure that really opens the door to be able to problem solve as a group. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you know, I uh, Lisa and I are very different from each other. I'm mm-hmm. kind of like random off the wall. I can come up with, you know, totally random stuff without much trouble at all. But you give Lisa a blank sheet of paper and she's kind of like, where do I start? So this is really, really important when you're leading a group of people to do a brainstorm that you set frameworks and boundaries and kind of like map out a little bit of what you're trying to do. Because if you're like, okay, guys, it's time to come up with your best ideas and that's all you say (laughs) like no (laughs) people are going to be very just you're going to get like nothing crickets and then the people who do give you ideas are going to be like me and they're like well i was thinking we could have a chicken balancing contest you're like whoa that was like that's a bad idea i know we're supposed to generate bad ideas but wow that was a bad one you know (laughs) (laughs) and so uh it really is important to be you have to be um Uh, kind of become a master at building frameworks that aren't too detailed. It's supposed to be a framework. I'll say you either have to be a master at building those frameworks or be willing to step aside and bring someone in who knows those frameworks. Absolutely. Both work because part of it is like if it was me and I was trying to explain this process to people, I would tend to get a little bit too much into the, I want to make sure everyone feels comfortable. And so I'm probably going to put up too many guardrails. And then pretty soon there are no ideas because I've said no to too much too early. Like just knowing my personality. (laughs) And so understanding the times when it's, uh, okay, I need to step aside and let someone else explain this to my group. Knowing the times that that's beneficial and knowing the times that that's hurtful, you have to be able to recognize that as a leader. But if you assume that the only person who can communicate to your group in order to help generate what the future could be is you, um, you're limiting what the group can do. Because a lot of times as a leader, you might not only be the technical leader, you might also be the boss. You might also be signing the paychecks. You might also be (laughs) the person that people are going to for advice. And so when there's all those other things involved and you say, come up with ideas, there might be an intimidation factor just a little bit that could cause a little bit of issues where people are like, I don't want to say that one because they might think I'm silly. They might think I'm dumb. They might think. And the minute that people start getting concerned about how they're going to be perceived, um, idea generation slows down, if not stops. Absolutely. And that's that's the big key is you don't want the idea generation to stop. If you ever watched one of those shows where they they're actually digging for gold, they have these huge, you know, the, the big operations have these huge conveyor belts and there's dumping tons and tons of dirt onto these conveyor belts that are like washing the dirt away and all this stuff. And they're just, they're constantly going, 
you know, they're filling up the big giant buckets with these, you know, giant tractors and dumping them onto the conveyor belts and it's just constantly moving. If you turn the thing off, you're also not finding any gold right now. So it's really important to know, you know, and recognizing yourself, what are the things that I'm doing um, whether that's being too involved with the process mm-hmm. or not setting up appropriate frameworks or killing ideas before they even have a chance to come off of the page. Um, those those things stop the conveyor belt. And that can be really, really dangerous because your best idea might have been one that wasn't shared <laughs> because they were afraid of offending you as the leader or or afraid of looking like an idiot, you know, mm-hmm. and saying something like balancing chickens, you know, who knows? Maybe that was the answer you needed. <laughs> or maybe that was the idea that would trigger an idea in someone else's mind. That is a huge, huge and and, and amazing point is mm-hmm. that bad ideas are sometimes the best and quickest road to a good idea. Mm-hmm. So it's important to write them all down and let people see them because it might trigger something, you know, completely seemingly off the wall. Oh, my gosh. Our balance sheets are really bad. You know, he's talking about balancing chickens, but now I know that, you know, we got to solve the balance sheet problem. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what a balance sheet is. It's oh, okay. wait, I do. <laughs> I had to think about it for a second. You're like, wait, that's a thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, generating these new kind of uh, where you want to go next, you know, I think a big question is like, when do you want to start figuring that out? Like, what questions can you ask yourself to figure out, are we in a place where we need to move in a different direction? Because sometimes keep doing what you're doing mm-hmm. is and, and don't stop. <laughs> and sometimes it's not about changing an entire system, but about just getting together and saying, all right, we've been doing this event now twice a year for five years and it's going well. But what could we change about it? What could we adjust and less about scrapping the old and creating something new and more about bringing people around you who might be able to see an angle that you just didn't notice before. Mm-hmm. Um, there are sometimes that I'll talk to people and they'll have something that's working really, really well, but it's just kind of not growing, not really moving forward. It's because it's just kind of become a routine. All right, here's the next event. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. It's like, okay, so you've done that now, but why haven't you created this to be a volunteer opportunity so that this person can get these people and right. then spread the word through that? And it's not because they weren't looking for ideas. It was that they just got used to the rhythm of what they had and their rhythm was working. It's not right. always that something is broken. Sometimes something is working good enough. And so we don't think to question whether good enough is good enough. Yeah. And then we just start getting in a, a loop of just doing the same thing over and over and over again. We're like, oh, why isn't this growing? Maybe the current idea is the right idea, but it's reached a point where it's just, uh, it needs some innovation in order to actually be able to break through a barrier. Mm -hmm. And, And that's really important too. I mean, good ideas and good next steps take time to mature. So it's really important to, you know, get an idea of where you're going next, get an idea of the next vision you know, and then go after it and give it time to actually start to bear fruit. Uh, when would you say is a good time to start figuring out that next vision point? Um, it depends on kind of how long term some of these uh, next strategies are, are meant to be. But I think it's important to get an idea of what the outcomes that you're looking for are and then actually track and measure them and see 
what's happening. Don't just go by your gut like, oh, I don't feel like this is working. Like actually measure and see. Sometimes you your gut might be telling you that things are working great and they're terrible. Sometimes your gut might be telling you things that things aren't working, uh, but they are. And so super important to measure because that's when you're going to be able to know how to pivot. You know, think about it like you're on a on some kind of like a boat journey, right? And you have to constantly be checking the map and checking the, you know, all of the the geometry gear, whatever that's called, your astrolabe (laughs) 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 to make sure that you're... uh, your azimuth is correct. Oh my <laughs> um, but no, <laughs> for real though, uh, it's important to be measuring along the way. And you know, obviously, we talk about that a lot too with with clients and and as part of the podcast. That measurable impact is so important because without that, you can't course correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that if you're looking and you're trying to figure out like, is this a good time to to make a pivot? Um, this is where it's really good to ask people who are outside of your organization. What do you see? What do you see working? What do you see not working? Um, ask people who are trusted in the organization. Just get a little bit of an idea of um, how things are going. Look at, you know, growth patterns. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you want to grow it as an organization, you're going to need to grow in your in, in the legacy flywheel stuff. You're going to have to grow in personal growth. You're going to have to grow in your resource engine. You're going to have to grow in the amount of followers and and grow in your ability to cast vision. So um, figuring out where have we stopped growing? Mm-hmm. What What is stopping us? What are our lids? What are our um, places where we just feel like we're banging our head against the wall? And I like what you said, too, about knowing your measurable, like knowing your measurables, knowing those numbers. Um, because sometimes a thing that we're doing can be working. It's just not working in the way that we think it's working. So we might be looking at the number of people that we're helping, but maybe what it's actually doing is growing like our volunteer base. And so that is a huge part of our organization, but maybe it's not the thing that we thought it was going to do. And so we don't necessarily want to look at that and be like, oh, we have to scrap it all. If you have something that is working for one area, you need to know that because sometimes Mm -hmm. we'll see organizations make a change based on one metric and then completely destroy something else that was working for the organization. It was really, really good for them to keep doing. Right. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's tricky sometimes to measure things. Certain things are harder to measure than others, but it's essential to keep a bead on what are the pros and cons of each of the things that we're trying to do? Mm -hmm. And are we, or are we are we well rounded? Are we growing as an organization across all of the different points on the legacy flywheel, or are we just kind of growing in one and becoming super lopsided? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times, as leaders, we tend to lopsided things because we're all wired up a certain way to want to see growth a certain way, to look at certain lag indicators versus lead in, lead indicators, and and what it ends up doing is it makes us a, an organization that just kind of like limps along. And is really, really strong on one side. I, I get this image of like a, a track runner with like a super buff right leg and like an atrophied left leg. Like it doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't work very well. Um, and so knowing those things then helps you to determine, okay, now is a t- good time for us to hunker down, get together, maybe set a day aside with some of our key staff, some of our key volunteers, some of our board members, and maybe just some people who see our organization from the outside and say, we need to figure out what the next step is. Mm-hmm. What we have is currently working or what we have currently isn't working. We need to figure out what the next step is, start that brainstorming process and really 
pull it all together and come up with the great ideas so that we can move forward and not just lie to ourselves and tell us, oh, we're relatively new. We have this relatively new idea because <laughs> relatively new <laughs> could be like very old, especially when the world is moving as fast as it is. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersInternational.com. 